So I am extremely fortunate to have a famous lady on with the biggest heart and the biggest drive. Uh, and she took time out of her day to hopefully that we can link up with our podcast and their organization. So this is first just to introduce us. It's just a couple of dudes. My name is Frank. Uh, Brandon and Eric are not here today. Uh, I'm a nurse practitioner in the field and one of the hosts. So uh, how you reach us, first of all, is our YouTube channel, our website. We are on six uh, I or podcast platforms currently, and big things are happening. We're hoping to give back to the community with the Tom's business model, meaning 33% of every profit dollar goes straight to an organization. So we are reaching out to the child crisis of Arizona with the CEO, who is our good woman segment. Oh my God, I am excited, Miss Tori Taj. She is the, again, the CEO, and she is a single mom with three wonderful children. Uh, and she has one kid that's in college, one kid that is, a, that is working in the field currently, right? And then one that's a senior in high school, right? That is correct. So um, you also are a teacher, I thought I saw at ASU, is that correct? That is correct. So you yes. do quite a bit of things. I'm going to give you a little introduction here. So you are speak for those with no voice. Uh, I want to relate to that because that is unbelievable because there are so many people in the community, kids, adults, whatever, that they don't have the courage or their confidence or they've been abused or whatnot. And the strong, smart individuals with the resources need to have the voice for these people. And you're one of those examples. So I just want to say thank you. And then we also have, let's say you're 100%, you did something with a legacy society, is that correct? And helped with yes. an endowment fund at a new leaf. And then you got your bachelor's in psychology from ASU. You are certified fundraising professional, fundraiser of the year award in 2015 from your peers. You're a faculty associate ASU. You even taught last semester, I saw. You're a longtime volunteer at the AFP. And anything else you wanna add? Oh my gosh, there's so much I want to add, but no, that's enough about me. Okay, exactly. Talk so, about Child Crisis Arizona. That's it. That, that's what we're here to talk about. So can you just talk about your organization and what you guys stand for? Yes, you bet. Um, our vision is simple at Child Crisis Arizona. It's four words. It's safe kids and strong families. So we have programs here at Child Crisis Arizona that help um, prevent child abuse and neglect. We were started as an intervention type service. So emergency shelter, it's a great thing. We're always gonna do it. But more importantly, we are focused on prevention services today because we want to prevent child abuse and neglect before it actually happens. And oh, yeah. so today we're working through um, with many different programs and we're multifaceted. I love that. That's a lot of, a lot of strong terms. So multifaceted meaning you're involved in different areas and different entities, right? Because having true prevention has a bunch of branches, right? To be able to, to tackle these tough issues. Can you talk about some of the prevention you guys are involved with? You bet. Probably the biggest thing that we're doing right now is we've really focused on early education. Mm -hmm. So the solution to a stronger community, it's educating everybody so that um, everybody has the same opportunity to um, be successful in school. So we are starting when children are very, very young, uh, early education, one years old, and we are putting them in a safe center-based approach. So they are here with us in our beautiful centers where we are doing preschool and early education. And we're also doing that in the home 
for families who have young children and they qualify for our services. And to qualify, they need to be 100 to 200% below the poverty level. And so for us, prevention, we are preventing child abuse and neglect by keeping children in a safe environment and working with their families in order to teach um, everything that we can about parenting and having your children be successful in school. Again, education is the long-term game here. And uh, the more we educate children when they're younger and the more we talk about safe spaces and um, you know, appropriate parenting techniques to parents, uh, we are gonna stop that generational cycle of poverty that we see so often in our emergency and intervention programs. So we really are focusing on the prevention of it in the first place. It would be great if we didn't have to have shelters in the future. That would be awesome. And so we can't just do that crisis work that a lot of nonprofits do. It's noble, it's wonderful, we have to do it. We need to um, respond to everybody who needs help and in crisis, but uh, we're not gonna be effective to actually change anything unless we focus on that um, prevention piece. So we really wanna move the needle on the amount of child abuse and neglect and giving parents all the tools that they need, so desperately need, um, in order to be good parents. I, I love that. I am so excited to know that there are so many children suffering right now that don't have a voice, right? You have these five-year-olds, six-year-olds. I had a post, uh, I'm pretty involved in social media, and anytime I post something, I try to research and understand. Uh, a big thing that, that caught me on Netflix was the Gabriel Fernandez situation, which is definitely the, I don't, were you well-versed on that? Did you watch that? So it was a kid that was murdered. Uh, he was seven or eight in, in California, and he was murdered and tortured by his family. Oh. And the thing about him was, is that it was so obvious, the abuse. And me as a nurse practitioner, we're trained to be able to see things. And we're required by law if we see something where abuse is a possibility based on like injuries and things like that, that we could have saved that kid's life. And what, I'm, what I bring up is that there's so many kids right now with more abuse because of COVID. I'm not saying the answer is to have them at home or not or whatever. I'm just trying to have a voice of, look, this is up. Like we don't even need to know the statistics, the you know uh, deaths of despair or whatever. When the stress levels are higher, right, which they are for everybody, you're having a worse situation on these kiddos. And I just I, they don't have a voice, and that it it just breaks my heart. So actually, we are preparing and uh, we're getting ready for this what we're calling a tsunami of children that are going to flood the child welfare system. We know that with the um, there are there's not a lot of in-person interaction with the typical reporters of child abuse and neglect. So typically that is, um, it's very high for healthcare professionals, less people are going to the doctors right now. Um, teachers, number one, uh, teachers and educators are always um, the individuals that are calling in to the 1-800 numbers um, at the state level and reporting abuse and neglect. And because of the reduced in-person interaction that children are having with teachers, virtual, I mean, school has been virtual for a long time now, and they're not going to the doctors as often as they were in the past, and even counseling sessions are telemed. And so uh, we kind of have the perfect storm right now, and we are just anticipating it's very eerie how quiet it is at the state hotlines around the nation. And so what um, 
agencies like Child Crisis Arizona, what we are doing is we are gearing up, we are training our staff, we are getting ready because we know that once school gets back in and children are interacting in person with others, we're not gonna have enough space in the state. Our, our support systems aren't gonna be there. We don't have enough uh, foster parents already trained in our state in order to take those children in and to be in the foster homes. So right now we're really trying to do a lot of recruitment and trying to get the word out that, you know what, we are anticipating there's going to be a surge and we know that things are happening in the home right now that just aren't being reported. So you hit the nail on the head there. There are things happening at home and we know that abuse and neglect always happens. It's just that um, these children are not actually in the system at the moment because typically it's not the family members reporting the abuse and neglect within these children are you know, working with agencies like ours. I think it's so well spoken. I think, again, you're trying to be proactive, not reactive. Um, we, we both know that you know, every category is going to be up. We don't need to wait a year to see statistics. Suicide, drug overdose, abuse, everything is up. And it's gonna be through the roof, um, regardless of, you know, how COVID turns out, which fortunately Arizona is actually doing really well. So we're doing okay. But like, I just want these, these I'm so glad there's people like you out there trying to think ahead because you're gonna get flooded and you're gonna, there's so many kids not getting the help they need. Um, and it, it's just so sad. And I, I like want to know what we can do as, as citizens, what we can do as healthcare providers, like what, what can we do? Right. So everybody can support the children um, in foster care or the potential children who are going to be in foster care soon. So we have um, this great thing in Arizona. It's called the um, foster care tax credit. If you owe a state tax liability in the state of Arizona, you can, instead of paying the state those tax dollars, $500 for an individual if you're single and filing by yourself, or a married couple, $1,000. Instead of paying those taxes to the state, you can give those taxes or that donation to a nonprofit like Child Crisis Arizona, who's a QFCO, Qualified Foster Care Organization, and your dollars can help us help children in the foster care system. So everybody can do that. If you are paying taxes in Arizona, everybody can do that. And it's no cost to you if you typically pay taxes and we all pay taxes. So there's one way. The second way is join us for a virtual tour. Take 15 minutes and join us um, during the day for a 15 minute virtual tour to learn about what we're doing. You never know if your relative, if your neighbor, if somebody in your church group or book club is talking about, I've been thinking about foster care and didn't really know how to get started. Um, we are a great place to start. We have uh, meet and greets that are virtual. They're on Zoom. Uh, we have questions and answers that people can go to our website at childcrisisaz.org and just kind of think about the opportunity um, that they might be a really great candidate to be a foster care provider in their home. So you're saying that every taxpayer can divert because that money is going to go to the state anyways to, so I'm going to do that every year now because I have a CPA and stuff like that. I'm going to make sure that I can do that. So if we have even like 1% increase, that's a lot of money and funding that goes directly to you guys. And it's a win-win. There's, there's no losing that that situation. I mean, that's, that's, that's wonderful. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Frank. And most 
most parents know about this tax credit, but it's called the school tax credit, but there are multiple tax credits in the state that everybody can take advantage of. And why not maximize the opportunity to do good for organizations and schools that truly need the support. And the state is very supportive of this program. And so not only should you be doing the school tax credit, there's the public school, there's the private school or tuition, that you can also do a foster care tax credit, $500 or $1,000. And then there's an additional tax credit for just a charity. So you can do a foster care agency and then an additional charity. I think that's like what we need to do and our audience is growing uh, is let the audience know because now you're gonna get at least $500 from me. I'm a single uh, 31 year old male right now, but in, you're gonna always get money from me the rest of my life as long as Arizona uh, offers that solution. I am born and raised here. I love Phoenix. I don't think I'll ever leave. I'm actually wearing a Phoenix Suns jersey. I just bought it and I feel like a little kid because um, <laughs> I've, I haven't watched the Suns for like 10 years because they've been such garbage and now I'm back in it. Like, oh, like yeah. I, I love Phoenix. It's the most diehard fan base here. And I am seriously like, I feel like a five-year-old at the store buying a, a jersey right now <laughs> and a hat actually. But um, that's, that's, great, that's wonderful that the state supports that. And I'm going to get that message out as much, as fast and as far as I can, because if we can get more money to you guys, um, that's just going to impact more kids. And I just feel like, you know, a butter. Have you ever heard a butterfly's wings when it flaps? It's a hurricane 500 miles away. You ever heard that kind of saying? No. Tell me so more about that. I, I butchered it. I'm a big. Uh, so my life mission is this: is is to help as many people as I can while enjoying life. And my actions speak that. I'm not just about money. The only money I like is the money I earn. Um, so I, I I feel like I have some strengths and talents, and I want to give back in in ways that can just help people because there's so many loving, amazing people left and right. I don't watch the news um, because it just, it just saturates your brain with negativity. And um, I just feel like if you help one kid, that's going to impact so many lives because like if that kid has been abused and then you're able to foster that kiddo at age five and give them a second chance, they're not going to get into drugs and violence and all this. And I'm like, that is such a big impact on the community. And that's a domino effect in the right direction. And the lack of empathy we're seeing in the news and, and all this stuff that's not being shown. Like, there's people like you that are making a huge difference. Like, why aren't you on the news? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. So, you know, yeah. um, I, I don't know if you can see the succulent plant right behind okay. me there. You see yeah. that? Uh-huh. So we kind of think about the children in our programs. And, you know, do this parallel to, I, I'm a big gardener. I love to garden. I've always gardened. I grow vegetables. I grow flowers. But today, I was talking about the succulent plant and the parallels that we have. And so succulent plants, um, you know, they're beautiful. They can survive um, and actually even thrive in the hottest of days and the brightest of sun, you know, and, and they actually can weather the storm. And they don't need a lot of water. And when you think about the children that we're serving, they are with us through no fault of their own. Again, we have teenagers in a group home. When people hear a teen in a group home, oh, did they do something wrong? You know what? They didn't get to pick their parents. And they are with us through no fault of their own. They have had hardship in their life, but we teach them, yes, I can. Yes, I can um, persevere like the succulent plant. Yes, I can adapt to the environment, the new environment. I'm not living in my, uh, with my biological family 
and typically then a child might go and live with a relative. Sometimes that works, but a lot of the time that doesn't work because um, every expert agrees. If we are parented by the same parent, and you and I are brother and sister, Frank, and we parent how we learn. That's the only way. There is no official parenting class when that you go through. And so that's all we have. And if we are parented in an unhealthy environment and we are siblings, we are probably parented the same. So sometimes when a child gets in the child welfare system, we put them in to, um, if you and I are brother, sister, you maybe would take care of my children if I can't care for them, but we're gonna have some same tendencies to parent the same that might not be okay. After that would happen, then the children are um, could go to foster care. And if they can thrive in a foster home, that's wonderful. And if that doesn't work and the child needs a higher need for more around the clock care and um, nursing staff and behavioral health support 24 seven, they're gonna come to, into a place like Child Crisis Arizona where we have shelter and we have uh, nurse practitioners and we have nurses and we have behavioral health technicians and counselors and professional, 250 professionals who this is their life purpose. This is their profession is to work with children in need and help them weather the storm and teach them, yes, I can, I can succeed, I can persevere and I can adapt just like the succulent. So um, places like child crisis are desperately needed, but we also need families. Um, we can't put all the children in the child welfare system in congregate care or in group homes or in shelters. We need families. And um, right now that is our biggest plea to the community. Please go through our training, sign up, think about what it would look like to um, open your heart, open your home, Maybe you have an extra bedroom. Maybe you're an empty nester. Maybe you don't have children. Maybe while you're working from home and your children are going to school at home, you could help another child that needs a safe place. So that, that's like our biggest plea right now. It's how can we get more people learning about the need for these foster homes and come and join us and we will hold your hand and we will support you through this exploration process of trying to figure out um, what would I need to do? What would that look like? And people think foster care, babies, I don't want to carry a diaper bag. I don't want to do all that again. I've already done it. You know what? The biggest need is for teenagers. The biggest need is for teenagers. Yeah, I, um, oh, so there's so many things you bring up. I just thought, which direction do I go? So let me bring <laughs> up one thing first. I was, uh, I have a very diverse background in healthcare. So my first job was a psychiatric nurse at St. Luke's. So I dealt with the voluntary, meaning that if someone got angry at us, we could always say, hey, you're going to jail. So they weren't so psychotic that, you know, they just don't know where they're at, basically. But at night, I would read their stories. And I spent seven months, I would read their stories. And, you know, you look at these people and they could be rude, they could be angry, they could be on so many psychiatric medications. But when you look at the story, it tells what they went through. Not one person there had a good family, not one. They were abused, almost everyone was sexually abused, physically abused, emotionally abused, and it was just so sad. So when I look at people now, even though they're rude to me, I try to picture them as a baby because that's what they were at some point. And they were just an innocent child, like a five-year-old that's trying to make their way in this world and something happened. Yeah. 
So how do we stop that? So your organization is, is vital in trying to implement things at that age group and prevent. Or if there is something that happened, hey, let's stop it now so that they don't start, continue the cycle, right? Because you, you brought up that more is caught than taught right? And that's a big thing with parenting. So you, you can say all you want, but if you hit mom, your kids are going to probably abuse the next generation. You know, even though you say you need to do this and this and this, or if you're lazy and don't work, right? Your children see that. I am so fortunate that I have two parents. Uh, it was a very messy divorce, which whatever, but I had a very amazing childhood. My mom and dad are both very strong people. They taught work ethic. They taught me to work out. They taught me that I'm not special, um, and I mean that in a good way. Like I'm not, I'm not, they didn't think I was going to be in the NBA. I'm six one, <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. So they, they loved me. They showed me so many great things. And that's why I am the way I am because they were real parents. And right now we do have a parenting crisis where a lot of parents I see in the clinic, they're not setting boundaries. They're not showing examples. I'm watching a five-year-old run the run the, the situation and i'm just like i'm like this is not gonna be good um I sorry i went off in a bunch of directions no but. and you know what what i wanted to say is yeah we do what we've experienced or we make a mental note that i didn't like that so i'm gonna be so different and i go way on the other end of the spectrum so one of the things that we do that's prevention also and it's trying to help that next generation and it's trying to help so there's not so many that you know children that need shelter and there's not so much child abuse and neglect is we have a family education program also and this program is now because of covid we've had to pivot like the rest of the world it's online it's virtual classes so when the court systems get involved and DCS um, are telling uh, parents, uh, we have your children in our care and um, we need you to go to parenting classes and learn some different techniques because we didn't like the techniques that you were using and they're not safe for your children and we want you to be a better parent. And the goal is reunification of the family unit. So these families will go through training. We do those trainings for free for those individuals and those parents when they're um, their children aren't with them. And we also do it for free for anyone in the community. And our goal is to get as many people as possible to go and learn a new technique. And um, I, at, you know, at 17, 19 and 23 year olds, I learn things all the time um, by listening to our trainers and to uh, listen to the best newest technique. You know what I was taught as a young mom and some of the things I learned, I had to relearn. Those aren't things that we're utilizing today and those aren't skills. And so we're giving parents new tools for their tool belt and new opportunities to parent in a different way. And it's everything from potty training techniques to um, you know, uh, parent-teen communication or you know how everyone says the terrible twos like we don't want to say those words anymore and so we're trying to rephrase how we're looking at parenting and how we are working with our children and there are there's just an amazing amount of um techniques and opportunities for us all to learn you can have many different children and they can be many different ages and there are some incredible opportunities for 
anyone to learn. You don't just have to have a mandatory, you need to go to a parenting class approach. If we could have everybody take these different classes and learn, uh, we'd all be better. Society would be better because of it. But unfortunately, it's not something that we get to teach in high school. It's not part of, um, you know, just like budgeting isn't. And so, but this is how many people are going to have a child, right? And when you look at Arizona, we are not looking very good no, in the eyes not, of the nation with There's not many things we, we lead. There's not many things Education. we lead. No, and the heat, the heat yes. is what we lead in. That's it? Oh and my gosh. Oh. There's such yeah. a direct correlation. Mm -hmm. There truly is yeah, a direct correlation oh. to how much we're going to invest in children at a young age. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If we can make them successful in the classroom and wrap services around those parents and their families, mm -hmm. we can't take care of kids unless we take care of their families. And so we need to start somewhere. We have to commit to helping the families and the community too. We can continue the Band-Aid approach of just mm -hmm. serving children that's not going to work. It's not going to move the needle. So we need organizations and the community to really get behind this idea that we need to prevent child abuse and neglect. And how can we make that happen? Healthy Man, families. You, you are so well spoken. It's so genuine. It's, it's, you could tell you're a, you're a speaker, but it's so well genuine as well, right? Because you can tell now, especially when we're used to people on TV that you're like, gosh, they don't, they don't sound like they really mean it or they don't sound like they care. You can tell there's so much to communication that is, you know, verbal, nonverbal, et cetera. And I think you're some of your psychology background and then just your history has just helped you so much. So I'm assuming, and you have three wonderful children that are now great adults. So you're talking the talk, but you are also walking the walk, right? And that is so important. That's what we try to do with this podcast. But um, a couple things to talk about I want to talk about real quick, how about when we donate money to this organization, how is the funds used? Like, how do we know it's going to the right things? That's a great question. And what I have to, what I would have to say to anyone who asked is that 100% of your donation is going to go towards the vision of safe kids and strong families. So we have the abundance mentality at Child Crisis Arizona. There are many small nonprofits and even large nonprofits that have kind of the scarcity approach. We can't pay for performance. We only want volunteers. That's fine if you can operate with volunteers. Our job is so important, working with these children, making sure they have an opportunity to thrive, teaching families and parents the importance of good parenting techniques and um, really making sure that there is no child abuse and neglect, and we're doing everything to um, give a safe environment for children. So we believe in fair pay across the board for our employees. So 100% will go towards the vision and the mission, but at the same time, I'm not gonna say 99% of every dollar you donate is gonna go towards the children. You know what, we're a human service agency. We can't have children here and not have humans to oversee, 250 of us, to oversee the incredible work that everybody is doing with these children. And these children have been from um, homes where they have been traumatized for many, mm -hmm. many years. Yeah. And our average age in shelter is five, and our teen group home is 14. It takes a lot of work. So it is a big investment when yeah. you invest in an agency. 
but I think that sophisticated donors and people who truly understand we are not here just for the crisis. Yes, it's our middle name and we are going to respond to children and families in crisis, but we're so much more than that. We are here to prevent it and to work towards it. That means we get some government contracts, but we depend on philanthropy just yeah. about at the same that level. It's, I love that answer. And I'm sorry if I put you on the spot. I just wanted to like understand more. Like, I don't even need to see the financials. I just believe in you, you know, because I, oh, I believe you know, in everyone. It's good though. And um, as, you know, as a nonprofit should, the best practice is to have 90 days cash on hand. Have we achieved oh. that best practice? Yes. You know what? Mm. There are so many nonprofits out there doing incredible work. They didn't have 90 days cash on hand. And when the coronavirus hit, yeah. or when there's an emergency, or when a funder pays late, or they have to skip an event and they can't mm -hmm. do a fundraiser, they go away. Yeah. Or there are, it's like you're bailing water out of the boat. We don't want to be a nonprofit like that. We want to be strong and come yes, from a position mm -hmm. of strength. Because so, that's more important long-term, right? Because if you can't weather that storm, the storm is coming, right? And that's personally in business. So coronavirus is exposing. It's like the black light on society. It, it's showing the people that are not managing well. Um, I personally follow like a Dave Ramsey type principles. I have, I found him, I found him myself. Uh, he does a lot of programs at the high schools, teaching about budgeting and stuff like that. Um, and I just found them on Google uh, when I was, I'm 31, so when I was uh, 21, and I got out of debt. I just like the seven steps. I just like that. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because That's wonderful. no matter what, and I don't care if you have a business or personal, um, I'm starting a business too in two months, and it's all cash-based because I know that COVID is a, you know, we don't know what's going to happen necessarily, right? Not everything can be predicted. Um, and then you have an organization like yourself that is financially, you know, fiscally sound. You know that, hey, my, my funds are not going to be not used because it went under. You know, just, be, just because you're a nonprofit doesn't mean you don't need to pay for the experts and you need to pay for the people that matter and actually make a difference. Just because I'd rather have one expert than three people that aren't helpful. Right. And I think that, um, you know, we're, uh, we're singing the same song, drinking the same Kool-Aid Frank, that it is so important as um, if people are interested in donating to a nonprofit, you don't want to help a nonprofit that it's just helping them for today. Because if they're not thinking about tomorrow, what's, what's the money going to do today? It's all good, but you want a solid a nonprofit that has a board that's looking to the future, that has a strategic plan. And you don't want that nonprofit to go under. If you truly believe in the work that they're doing, you want them to be healthy, just like you or I would um, with our own personal finances. And I think this is kind of the life lesson that the community can learn, but the people that we're serving at Child Crisis Arizona, the, the families that we're serving, they're typically you know, 100 to 200% below the poverty level. That's who we're serving. And if we can teach that you can think differently about finances, and if we as staff can embrace, um, you know, the lessons of a Dave Ramsey, for example, or others like that, and you always want to have your 90-day cash reserve, your emergency fund, just like a business needs. I was able to not lay off, you know, any staff at all during COVID because that's, that's we were able. And mm -hmm. so it, it's really important that we are strong as an agency. So mm -hmm. great question. How will they know if um, the money is doing good? Our, all of our financials are online. It's all public. Anyone I like that. See. It's transparent. But, 
Yeah, a hundred percent of every single donation goes towards the vision of safe kids and strong families. It is all used to do what we are here doing is prevent child abuse and neglect and keeping kids safe. And and God, that, that is so beautiful. Like it like fills my heart up with joy that there's there's things like this in the community. And I, I just don't understand how people can't wake up and um find things like this to be excited about, you know, because life's gonna be hard. I've actually had one of the hardest months of my life, but you wouldn't be able to tell that because you know, someone else has always had it harder than me and they smiled more. You know, the people like Nelson Mandela. Uh, Mother Teresa, uh, Martin Luther King, these people that are just have been through so much and they chose to smile instead to be angry, you know, and, and they're the people that lead uh, my expectation of myself. I'm not saying I'm in the same category, but I just feel like, you know, day, days are going to be tough. I think tough times are coming, especially with COVID, the economy and stuff like that. I have to, I have to look at life as glass half full because there's enough people looking at it as glass half empty. And um, there's always something to worry about. But if we can change one child's life, uh, it's all worth it. Just one. And everything above that is, is extra. Like, it's, that's just beautiful, amazing. And um, I hope that our message, because it's growing pretty fast, goes as far and as widespread as we can. Uh, I do want kids. I really hope to God I have kids. I need to meet a girl first. But I would love to have <laughs> a couple kids. I'm the third. And I really want Frankie the fourth. Um, God, I would be such a happy man. That's, you know, someday I'll meet a woman. But um, I, so, I would have to foster kids too someday. I think that would be great. That's good. And some people choose to foster children first before they have their own. Oh, talk children. about that. Talk about that. So, yeah, they're just not sure. And with foster children, there's two tracks. You can have the adoption track or you can have just the foster track. It's basically the same training, but you need additional things if you're going to do the adoption route. And um, some of the requirements are a little bit different, but pretty much it's going to take three months of this online virtual training. We're going to have our staff get to know you. You get to know our staff. We're going to do a home visit, make sure everything is locked up, be a fire extinguisher. There's a fence around your pool. We're going to help our foster families do all this. But most importantly, that you've been through the training and that we know that you're a good decision maker. And if you're willing to open your heart and your home and you're self-sufficient, then we are gonna work with um, an individual. Um, the neat thing about Child Crisis Arizona, you don't have to be married. You can be single. You can be a same-sex couple. We are all inclusive. Um, there are many foster care organizations out there where um, you have to be of a certain religion, you need to go to church, you need to be a husband and wife, and that's wonderful. But at Child Crisis Arizona, we are known as that agency that's all inclusive, and we invite others in. And um, we, we just know that it's really important as an individual to be, if you are an individual who is interested in caring for a child and having a safe environment for them so that they can thrive, um, that you are gonna be a great candidate. I, uh, well, there's, I guess there's no excuses for me being 31 and single. I'm not just ready saying. yet. Um, but I, I think someday I would like to have, hopefully have two of my own. I feel a little selfish, but as I gotten older, I would love to have two biological ch children if it's in the cards. But um, if not, I, I think definitely before 40, I'm gonna be fostering kids. And I, I would do older because I know that that's the age group that is really neglected. Um, I don't know what it is about children, but 
you know, the, the younger you are, the cuter you are. And then for some reason, as you go older, you get forgotten. And it's so sad because they're the ones that probably need it the most. For sure, they do. And they're, you know, everybody is typically looking for those younger ch children. And now in the foster care system, typically foster care isn't forever. The state's goal is always reunification with that biological family. So when that family unit can get back together and that's gonna be a healthy environment for the child to be in, then they're gonna go back. And so what we're looking for, and we, we help foster parents understand this, um, is that the child is not gonna be with you forever. Now, in some cases, we had 83 cases out of the 400 that we you know, helped put in foster homes last year they will be adopted and things can change while they're in foster care where the judge can say, you know what, we're going in the wrong direction here. Uh, five, five tries, strike, you're out. We're gonna sever the rights. There's just no way that um, it's a good thing to have this family reunify. But that is always the goal is to get these children back in their family unit uh, where they um, have the biggest connection but we do want to um, retrain the parents on some uh, parenting techniques and give them some new opportunities to learn about um, different ways that maybe um, they can have a better relationship. And then of course, um, neglect and child abuse, they need to understand what that is. And um, we want to make sure that every child is safe so that they're going home to a safe environment. So yeah, foster care can be three months, it can be mm -hmm. six months, or in some instances, it can be two or three years. Okay. And what are the requirements for someone? I know you said it, it, what's great is you don't have like super stipulations, but like how does someone apply or how do they go through the process kind of thing? Go to childcrisisaz.org. Look mm -hmm. at the frequently asked questions. And we have a list of everything there so that people can kind of look at this. And typically what happens is when we do something on the radio or we send out a flyer or we put an ad in a magazine somewhere, someone will say, you know, in the back of my mind for about two years, I've been thinking about it. I have an empty bedroom and um, I just feel like I can give back and I'm at a time in my life where I'm self-sufficient. And, and so um, it typically it takes two years of somebody hearing something about it saying, oh, I wonder if I could do that someday. And then actually acting on it and becoming um, trained and certified and licensed. So our goal is to get the message out there to as many people as possible. And right now, like Frank, I invite you to go look at everything and attend one of the Zoom calls. It's no obligation, it's just learning about it because a lot of people will go on and learn about it and then tell their church, you know, congregations. We have a lot of pastors that will help us kind of learn about the process and then pitch it at church or anyone that you might know. Um, there's family members who maybe um, they're unable to have children on their own. And um, this is a great way to help a child in need. I think uh, circling back to the finance, what I thought, what I think holds back some people is there were some bad examples. Like I'm going to name a few charities. I'm going to call them out. Susan G. Komen, like the main CEO, makes a lot of money. So I think we just want to know, and we know with your organization is that you provide the experts, you provide the quality of staff by paying them what they should get paid. 
because you don't want to just pay them nothing and then you get you'd get the poor staff but what i like is that you have a balance that it's a business it's a, it has a purpose and you have to stay afloat but you're not there to just take money like a susan g coleman or a wounded warrior project i don't know if you heard about that and what happened there where they're partying with their money and doing drugs and alcohol and this is years ago so i can't speak directly but it's just sad when you hear about those charities that were meant and sounded to have the mission but they're not living by it and that's right. what's probably holding people back because trust is such a big thing right trust like you have trust all my trust is everything yeah mm -hmm. trust absolutely is everything and we want people to trust in the organization and that's why we all have to be transparent as a nonprofit. um i, I don't i don't think i you know want to comment directly on those other ones but abuse of you know anyone in their role that's a performance issue and um those particular you know individuals everybody has a boss and so um maybe somebody wasn't watching you know watching the store right but i think you get what you pay for and we have huge nonprofits. when you look at you know, the nfl is a nonprofit. when you look at uh all the different nonprofits out there and you look at their budget size one that's typically, um, you know, people will say something, but um, the International Rescue Committee, they do an amazing job. And when you look at the size of their budget worldwide in all these different cities and thousands upon thousands of staff, and you, you have to pay them um, a salary that is equal to the type of business that they're running. And so you got to look at the budget level the staff level, and also you're going to pay people differently dependent on what their skills are. Some CEOs and some organizations don't have to do fundraising. It's contract work only. Mm. So that's a different skill set. Some organizations are 100% fundraising, and you better be really great at fundraising. And that's a, a premium that everybody has to pay in order to yeah. find somebody really good at that. So I think that when you look at nonprofits, you have to look at um, what's the impact of their work? Mm -hmm. And then what's the value to society? Mm -hmm. So the impact of their work, the value to society, and how, what are we going to value in America? Um, it's, it's what's important to us. I, I think it's so good. I, I don't mean to have defamation to other organizations. I hope they're doing better now. But what I'm trying to say is people need to, when you give your money, you need to know where it's going. Um, yeah. We had over $400 billion in America in 2018 that was donated to charities. That is so amazing. And it's one of the biggest things that sets apart America because people are not only paying a very high tax level, we can get into that, but they're also giving back money with the intention of helping other people. And like, where is this not in the mainstream? It's everywhere. And we want to make sure that that money's going where it's actually helping. And that's why we take a charity very seriously that we're going to we're going to partner with because we want someone we can trust. We don't want to have to look at you every week and go, well, we just gave you 10 grand. Where did it go? Are you renting a jet to go to London? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like take a take a public jet, you know, or whatever, like reasonable. Right. Like um, I just love that you have that mission because you're going to be around in a year. You're going to be around in five years. And I hope that you're still in that position. I hope it seems like you love your job, your passion shows, which is the way you speak about it. So hopefully more and more people like you are going into positions of leadership because what you need are more servant leaders. And what that means is you're, you're walking the walk, but you're also talking the talk both, right? You're doing it. You're there for the vision and the mission.
That, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I knew at a very young age, my why, and I wanted to help others and, and serving was very important to me. Um, and so, yeah, I get to do this work each and every day and I'm so fortunate. And like you said, I, I have perspective every day. My kids have grown up with perspective and doing the work that I get to do. My skills with my passion. And um, not many people get to go to work and love their job and love what they do and know that they make a difference. And so, um, again, I'm really, really thrilled to be on your show and for you to highlight Child Crisis Arizona. It's not about me. It's about this amazing work that this organization and I am just the leader of the ship and navigating right now. But there are so many people here that do incredible work each and every day. Our board of directors is wonderful. Our volunteer base is incredible. Um, right now with COVID, we're being really careful with our volunteers. And so we're not having a lot of volunteers as we um, would in the past. And of course, there are so many rules and regulations with us utilizing volunteers in the homes that we have because of the um, trauma and the background that these children have endured. We don't want people to come in one time and for kids to get to know somebody once they've been abandoned by so many people in their lives. So we want people who are going to show up, you know, multiple days a week at the same shift and be reliant and commit for one year at a time. And so I think that um, there's lots of places that the community can volunteer. Um, you got to think about what type of organization can you commit to and what's in the best interest of the actual end recipient of the service. Is it somebody who's going to be consistent or is it just a one-time thing? I love that. And like, I know COVID puts a restriction on the volunteering. Is volunteering still possible right now or what are the options there? So right now, um, volunteering is just looking different. It's not one-on-one -on -one with the children right now. Um, it is helping us do a backpack drive. You know, it's helping us do some online things. It's inviting friends and family to a 15 minute virtual tour that's on our website. We're trying to get the word out and so that we're prepared to have more families who are licensed and trained and who've gone through this three to six month process so that once all of these children hit the child welfare system here in Arizona, when we do open up and they will hit the system, we need the safety net and we need to be ready. So we are just asking as many people as possible, come and take a virtual tour, get to know us, learn about our services. Um, engage with us in a different way. And maybe your organization um, or your business will do some type of a drive that can help us um, in our homes. Yeah, I, um, my life's gonna be changing a lot in the next six to 12 months. And uh, you know, money isn't everything for me, but a big part of money why I wanna make it is because it just makes you more of what you are. Uh, I'm a giving, loving person. Uh, I know what my ego is, which I keep it at bay, but uh, I know that the more money I make, the more I can give back to people like you and your organization. And the more money I make, I can support others. Uh, my best, or one of my uh, co-hosts, Brandon Lawrence, shout out to him. He's not here right now. He's MD, ER physician. He's also part of wealthy.com podcast that their mission right now is to get kids back in school safely. And their big thing is population health. Uh, so that's another thing I think we'll cross platform there to spread out another message there. Um, and then I think I'm just going to shout out to you every time I have a podcast, because if I can reach one more parent or one more group of people that can like take the virtual tour or there's so many people that just don't know they can help. 
And that's what you need. They need to know, Hey, just, just the tax credit's huge. Like just do that. Just have your tax person do it. Or it's on TurboTax. Like it can't be that hard. So, um, and that's free money. Like it's going anyway. So please right. donate that. Um, or, you know, foster for six months, you know, like wh what's holding people back right now? Like what are things that you see that holds people back from fostering or participating? So right now uh, we're not seeing a lot of people, you know, raise their hands saying, I'm ready to do this. Their financial uncertainty um, is out there. And I think everybody's taking a look in personally, um, you know, how is this going to affect my job? How has this affected maybe my partner's job? Um, do I know what's going to happen? I have other children in the home. What if one of us gets COVID um, and then we have somebody else here too? I mean, it's, it's just hard. And being home and then thinking of somebody in school and the whole virtual online school, it's overwhelming for parents, um, especially at certain age groups. And so I think for a lot of individuals right now, they're just like, I don't know if I can do one more thing. And we totally get that. Um, so it, it's hard all the way around, but I, I'm optimistic like you are. Yeah, and you I be. would like to just put out there, let's, let's look at the bright side. There's always a silver mm -hmm. lining. If you're home anyway, and you're homeschooling your own children, and you have this break, and you've got this flexible work plan, what a great time to expand your family and let your whole family give back to another human being, another child. Mm -hmm. and, and again, the, the fostering is just like you're a bridge, hopefully, right? You're a bridge during a period of time of uncertainty that they need that. That could change their whole life. Like that six months could be everything between them going into a local gang or getting into drugs and yeah. getting into, uh, you know, sex and things like that, that um, take them down a, a dark road. And I just think like, God, it's, it's six months of your life and talk about, you know, there's a lot of things like you're like, well, where do my tax dollars go? And where does this all go? But that's a direct benefit. You actually get to see the improvement of someone's life. Um, if you can't jump out of bed because that, that exists today, here's, here's your opportunity. Um, there's no excuse. I, I'm, I'm going to make the commitment now before 40, I'll be, I'll be fostering at least one or two kids by then. So I'll make that commitment because right now I'm, I'm single and I, I don't have a lot of time. I'm grinding on the business. But again, that's just an excuse. Um, but I will like at least give money back and you're getting my tax credit. You're getting it every year, the yes. rest of my life, I promise. <laughs> so And you're going to um, tell your friends and oh, yeah, your family yeah. and others. And so for mm -hmm. us, that's what it's all about. And yeah. you know, just one donation, it's just every single dollar counts. And um, we, every single child matters. Um, that has always been our saying. We are entering our 44th year at Child Crisis Arizona. And um, you look at the number of children that we've served, countless. But hopefully we've done some work in the prevention side where we've prevented abuse and neglect because we're wrapping services around families. We have served 30,000 meals to 200 families that we work with in our early education programs in COVID. 30,000, that wasn't part of what we were doing. They told us what they needed. They had lost their jobs, they were service industry. Again, 100 to 200% below the poverty level for them to qualify to be in our um, education centers. And we're doing what we need to do because you know what? If we don't take care of those families who are under stress, like you started the podcast, they are definitely under stress during this time, there's gonna be more child abuse and neglect. So we have to give these families, all the tools and the resources that they need in order to be good parents. And every parent truly 
wants to do the right thing for their child, they just get off center because of stress or other things or their training or um, trauma that they endured, like you said, you know, um, and um, they make poor decisions. Yeah, I just got, I have to repeat myself. I feel like if I'm vulnerable, uh, my story can tell, can talk to other people and give them hope. I think all we can do is plant seeds. I don't, I don't beat information into people's heads because it doesn't work that way. Um, I personally had a, a severe form of post-traumatic stress disorder uh, and I had cognitive decline and I actually, until the last year, didn't really know. And then I did what's called EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, and I'm cured. Um, I can't believe that I can just live this life. Like even my bad days now are still a good day. It, it is so, it's so wild. But if I didn't, if I didn't self-search and if I didn't obsess over how to improve, um, go into the medical field also for myself, right? I wouldn't have been able to fix that trauma because now I can fix that trauma when I can be a parent, I'm at a better place. And many parents now also had trauma and they just continue that down the road. And, you know, especially back in the day, we had some really poor parenting techniques that we, you know, think of or cling to. I'll give you a quick example. My grandfather, uh, one of them, uh, strong, stern man, uh, good dad, good husband, he uh, was chained to a tree in the front yard as discipline. Um, and that was okay, like all day long. So you talk about discipline or abuse, right? Um, I was spanked right? Which the medical books say don't do. I was never abused. Uh, thank goodness I was spanked uh, because I was a little, I was a little firecracker and I need, I need, I needed to know authority. I joined the military. Like, thank goodness my mom and dad both did that. I don't know if that's technically the correct thing, but I know that my children uh, in the future, hopefully foster or whatever, um, are going to have to have those boundaries the, to be shown real true love. Because so many parents nowadays mean so well, their intentions are so good. You know, the helicopter parent, you care so much, but you are enabling your child to not be a good adult. And I see this all the time at the clinic. And I just look and I get sad because I'm like, you, that 21 year old has no chance, you know, and sorry, I'm just venting, but. That's okay. No, I, I loved hearing a little bit more about you and talking about your grandfather and, and the EMDR and. Um, that's another thing uh, we haven't talked about. We have a counseling program. And so we are a provider for children's counseling and anyone can call us. Uh, we accept all of um, the providers that take access and we help children. And right now, all of our counseling sessions, uh, like most everything is telemed still. So we're doing sessions. Makes it a little bit hard for play therapy. It's not in the office with the sand trays and the things we're typically used to, but we specialize in working with children who've experienced um, some kind of trauma. And as you know, trauma can take many different forms, abuses in many different ways, but uh, we have four different counselors on site. They actually go into our shelters and our group home. Um, they actually will do groups online for free. Uh, we have parent support groups right now. So we have lots of different things out there. Um, and especially if somebody is on access, we would invite them if they need any kind of specialized counseling for their children, uh, we would love to provide services. I wanted to give a quick shout out uh, to a, the reason why I contacted you and reached out was because of a child crisis counselor. Um, 
anyways, Marissa, she listens to our show and I, I've been asking people like what charity is really impacting people? What charity is really giving back? Um, we want to help the children mostly, but anybody, but definitely an organization that's helping at the, the prevention and the root cause of these problems so that society in 20 years looks even better. And, um, I just, I just love this. Like you have four counselors and counseling can be so productive. I don't believe in counseling without a plan. I think that's old school counseling. Um, you know, crisis counseling is more purposeful with a plan. It's there to mitigate the negative effects that are, are happening to children um, and intervening in the toughest times. I can't imagine. I don't know. I, you know, I, I've had tough times, but gosh, I haven't been through anything close to what Gabriel Fernandez was through in the Netflix show. And there's people that have been through so much adversity. I'm sure you have plenty of stories of them that just persevered, like you said, like a succulent tree. Like, you know, the neat thing is um, there's hope. Children are so resilient. And so there is hope. And if you can just put them in the right environment, children are going to recover. They are going to thrive. Are they going to have some difficult days? Yes. Is their life ever going to be the same as maybe somebody who grew up in a healthy family? No, but they can be very successful. And that's, you know, really what we want to teach them is yes, I can. Yes, I can weather the storm. Yes, I can thrive in adversity. Yes, I can adapt. And yes, I can be successful. And so, and I can overcome whatever this trauma was in my life. And so really that's what it's all about. And having that plan and having that outlook um, that there is hope and uh, Child Crisis Arizona. Yes, it's sad when children have to come to us, but we are a happy place. Children are laughing, they're smiling. And actually sometimes it's the first time they've ever been in a safe home and they will thrive. Sometimes they don't know how to work with that either and it's like wait i am so comfortable here that i'm uncomfortable because there used to be you know thinking here the fight or flight that they have had to grow up utilizing that part of their brain so i mean um there's just so much that we talked about today but i really want to leave you with this thought it's that you know um there is hope for children they are resilient and i'm so glad that there are people like you who are reaching out to us to help spread the word about uh, foster care services and um, the services that we do at Child Crisis Arizona. I love it. I mean, we've almost been on an hour. I told you it goes by pretty fast, right? I can keep the conversation going. <laughs> so we could keep talking for hours, but we have, we, you know, we have plenty to, to, to do outside of the, the podcast. But so let's just wrap up a couple things that people can do. So one is the foster child uh, tax credit, right? That goes instead of straight to Arizona, it goes to your uh, or a, a charity like yours, right? So yes. it's, it doesn't cost anything. We it's are just a QFCO, redirecting the money. Oh, a qualified foster um, care organization, and our code and our number is on our website. You will need that code when you do your taxes. Perfect. And then also the second thing is you can sign up for a virtual tour, right? It's yes. 15 minutes of your time. We have plenty of downtime right now. Everyone's on TikTok all day long. Like take 15 minutes, please. And just go to the website. Like we have, there's so much time. There's 24 hours in a day. Okay. So right. yeah, please tours, go there. Tours are great. And you're going to learn a little bit about our mission, our vision, and many of our programs. But then if you are really interested in just the foster care and adoption program. Mm -hmm. There's a whole area on the website dedicated just to that. And there's frequently asked questions and we have virtual meet and greet. You can meet and greet with us, the agency, and we are gonna tell you a little bit about the process. And then we also have some current providers mm -hmm. on that call 
who people will ask questions to them. So it's not just us as the professionals, it is the actual foster care parents or former foster care parents um, who will answer questions about their process and their experience. And I thought, no way could we do this when we said, oh, we're gonna do it. And so some of those same fears that um, people will have, it's, it's just validation that they can do it. I, uh, is there anything else, ma'am, that you want to add? Like that, that would maybe, maybe some info we missed. I thought we did a pretty good wrap up of what, what you're about, what the organization is about and how people can help. So. Right. I, I really appreciate you um, asking the questions that you did. I think the show that you and um, uh, your other friends are doing, um, I think this is amazing. I really, um, it's, it's a noble calling, what uh, you guys are doing and you're wanting to spread goodness. And um, I totally appreciate that because um, I'm dependent on people like you. And so we can't do this good work here without people like you and others who believe in helping others and getting the word out. So, I mean, I thank you for- Yeah, thank us. you so much. Yeah, um, I mean, taking us and calling and Marissa and yeah, there no, are no she's, accidents. She's, and she's, now you're going to yeah. give us your tax credit, which is wonderful. You're helping foster kids. And I hope that you will sit yeah. through a meet and greet and someday just plant the seed, have it like be in there and think about it for the next year or two. Yeah, I, um, we're about, so the plan in the next six months is to have an online store and monetize. So like I said, out of every profit dollar, 33% is going directly to charity. This, this podcast is not to make us famous or rich. That's not what it's about. I make money in my other jobs and my other businesses. Um, but this is to give back. It's our passion project. Um, we talk about all kinds of things. We are just a couple dudes with a K jacked. Uh, we got a big things coming and like our heart is where it is. Our vision, our mission is all on the same page. We're just three guys that we're lucky to have good male role models, good female role models. Cause I think women are just kicking butt all around and men need to step their game up. That's why our mission is that is to promote men to, to step it up. And we need better fathers, better husbands in the community, which is impacting the kids. And, um, I don't know. I, I just got to give a few uh, taglines where we're at. I guess our YouTube channel is just starting. It's kind of blowing up now. So reach us there. Just a couple of dudes with a K. www.jackedpod.com is our website. We're on six different podcast platforms. And by the time we release this and edit it and whatnot, I mean, we're just, we're just starting to grow. And, and I love to see that because we're going to be able to have an impact. And I don't, I don't know exactly yet how we're going to link with you guys, but you are our charity right now. And uh, hopefully we can volunteer at some point when it becomes a safer time. Um, I'm definitely going to personally just push you guys because now you're my go-to charity. Like that's that's awesome. So that's good. Um, is there anything else you want to leave with before we end it? Um, I want you to, have you heard of Mac Watson? No. He used uh -uh. to be on KTAR, the Mac and Gato show. Oh Mac yeah. Watson. He's really funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he is actually, um, he's not with KTAR anymore. They had a separation, but he has oh. his own podcast now that he just started um, when he separated from KTAR and he okay. is former foster parent from oh. us. Wow. And then he and his wife adopted two children from us. Uh -huh. too. So okay. his podcast, if you ever want to connect with him, he Mac is a hero. Okay. Um, and you could have somebody else who does a podcast on your podcast and pro you know like exactly i'm all about cross-platforming because if we're on the same page the same mission i mean that's what we're going to do so this, this is going to be big by the time we release it we you know we're putting our own money into it right now it's still a hobby um we haven't made one dollar from this podcast it's been we started last november just me and eric 
Um, and now it's me, Eric, and Brandon. And we are about to LLC and make this more of a, a legit entity. And we provide two podcasts a week. Uh, we talk about anything from health, politics, to life and our struggles. And we interview people like you that are changing the world locally, nationally. And um, I just hope that you know our audience understands what our mission is. Um, maybe we misspoke in the past sometimes because we were kind of just some guys, but now our vision is on the same page and where we need to be. I'm going to reach out to Mac Watson because I think he's a pretty fun guy, like from what I remember. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, And you know what, what you just said, um, we're all lifelong learners. And I think Mm -hmm. that if we can all embrace, we're all going to get better. We're all going to, you know, um, things can change. Life is fluid. Business plans can be fluid. And Mm -hmm. as long as we're all moving in the right direction, I I think you guys are going to do great. Thank you so much. And uh, the only thing guaranteed in life is change, right? I think that would be That's like the right. end quote. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for being on. I'm going to stop the recording right now and just hopefully people reach this message and then we can talk off air. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. We also have a website. Thank you for tuning in to another can't miss episode of just a couple dudes or jacked podcast. We're new on Twitter. So please give us a follow at at J A K D pod. On Instagram, you can follow us at jakd underscore podcast. And we have a new YouTube channel set up at just a couple dudes. And that's couple with a K. We also have a website, jakdpod.com, with a new store set up where you can check out our merch and other fun items that we're going to be putting up. So please give us a follow. Check out our website. And tune in for the next podcast that we'll be releasing shortly. Thanks. Thanks.